Now this is the genealogy of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The sons were born to them after the flood. Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be mighty, a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. From the land he went to Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ur, Kala, and Rezan, between Nineveh and Kala, that is, the principal city. Mizraim begot Ludum, Anamim, Lahabim, Naphtuham, Pathrushim, and Kalusin, from, from whom came the Philistines and Kaphtorim. Canaan begot Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and the Girgashites, the Havite, the Archite, and the Sinite, the Arvadite, and the Zimmerite, and the Hamathite. Afterward, the families of the Canaanites were dispersed, and the border of the Canaanites was from Sidon, Sidon, you, and as you go towards Gerar, as far as Gaza, then as you go towards Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim, as far as Lasha, these were the sons of Ham, according to their families, according to their languages, in their lands, and in their nations. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me Well, welcome back. Long overdue welcome back to uh, Conversing with the Text. Uh, this is episode 57 of Conversing with the Text. It's been several, several months since I've been able to find the time to sit down and prepare and to come in uh, and record uh, any podcasts, um, sorry for that. Um, it's just not been uh, conducive with my schedule, been very busy. Uh, but anyway, uh, welcome back. The last time we were together, we uh, talked about the sin of Ham and Canaan and uh, how that all worked out. Uh, and, and we said that it was, um, it was uh, grabbing at something that, or snatching at something that doesn't belong to you. So we see that it's the same Sin as uh, Adam and Eve uh, committed in the garden at the fall. It's the same uh, category of sin. And we said uh, that we would see these sins repeat themselves in the pretty much the same order over and over again uh, in, in Genesis and, and then through, throughout the rest of the Bible. Um, and so now we get to chapter 10. Now, I hope that you will forgive me for not reading all of chapter 10. It's a very important chapter. Uh, but it is uh, very nerve-wracking to try to say those names uh, so quickly in order as you read it. Um, I, I don't know that I accomplished it during uh, the sermon. Uh, you can listen to that and find out. I'm sure there was stumbling just like there was uh, just now. Uh, but I encourage you to go back and read all of the chapter because uh, it's there for a reason. And a lot of times we will overlook these these uh, genealogies, and they, they just, you're just like, okay, hard name, but got hard name, but got hard name, and they move to hard name, 
and and it can it can be discouraging, you know, especially when it's chapter after chapter of it. But we need to understand it's there for a reason. And what you can do is in your spare time, and I know that you have a lot of it, like I do. You you can sit down and look up these names, not just not just uh, how to say them or pronounce them correctly, not just the pronunciation, but you can also look up the definition of what these names meant in the Hebrew or or whatever, and it will it. It can bring, it can at times bring further meaning and understanding to the passage, um, especially when we, when we talked about that when we went through Cain's uh, genealogy a little bit. Um, we, we touched on that briefly. But, but we have listed for us um, what came from Noah, and that is uh, we've, we've reached another, another uh, told daughter, Tola Doth, uh, however you prefer to say it, division in the text. And so this means we've moved. From probably from Noah to Peleg in uh, the telling of the history, um, I think Peleg. But I mean, I'm not going to be dogmatic about it. But it's another division, and this is important to remember. This theme will come up over and over in the Old Testament. Though we can now list more than seventy nations, this is the seventy nations of the world. And when we talk about, we see the the number seventy. Um, it should it should key us in that there's something going on. So such as we see in Genesis 46, 26 through 27, we are told that all the people who were born to Jacob that went into Egypt were 70. Um, this points to the beginning of God making a new world through his people. Uh, it's just that simple. Here we had 70 nations. Now there's 70 tribes, there's 70 peoples, 70 souls that go into Egypt and they're going to become a new nation and they're going to become a new world. Uh, the number comes from this passage. That number uh, comes from this passage. We see again in Numbers 29, but let me stop for a second. And let, me, let me clarify, and, and you can get this in the, summer, the, in the sermon that uh, is, is uh, up from this chapter, chapter 46. I explain how we know that that will... Benjamin was a young man at the time, and his children are listed, like all of them. And so they probably were not present at the time that they moved from Canaan to down to uh, Goshen. So it, it, why were they listed? They, weren't, they didn't come down. But he was still a young man. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he was uh, at least adolescent, probably a teenager, but he still probably didn't have all of his children were born to him yet. And so we we can see hints from that that this this is they they brought those names in to get to this number to tell us something, right? Or the Holy Spirit led them to to do so. Um, so, and then we see it again in Numbers twenty nine as God commands the nation of Israel to sacrifice several over several days seventy bulls. Right? You sacrifice thirteen and it lists everything that's to go with the bulls. And then the next day it's 12, and the next day it's 11, the next day it's 10. And it keeps going down. I think it stops at 8 or something like that, but it gets to 70. And, and what it is is those bulls, uh, bulls are uh, sacrifices for sin offerings for um, leaders and priests. And so uh, God was sacrificing uh, or had his people sacrifice unto him uh, so that he, he would not um, destroy the nation the nations, uh, the 70 nations that are listed here. Um, also, at the beginning of this chapter, we are told that these 
All these nations came from four men. So the four represents the whole world. That's why we read chapter 1, right? Now this is the generation of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and sons were born to them after the flood. We had, we'd already been told that in chapter 9. Um, and, and so it, it repeats it here again to get us that number 4 to point this is a global thing. Here are the 70 nations of, of all the world. And so what what's happening? Why is God telling us that? Well, God's going to save all 70 nations. So Next, we need to notice that Nimrod is a new Cain empire builder. Like Cain, Nimrod is a wandering builder. He builds several empire cities. The first and most important of, of is the next and most important is important to the next chapter and that is, of course, Babel. He is a hunter before God's face, uh, and this points to idolatry. Uh, the language here is that he's doing something uh, just like we see in uh, in Gen- I mean Exodus twenty uh, in the Ten Commandments. You you shall have no other gods before my face. God says, and so that's the same kind of verbiage there. Um, and so that's what what Cain. I mean uh, Nimrod did. Uh, he like Cain. Uh, started his own kind of worship. More than likely, this is something very close to what we would have seen in an Aztec culture where uh, he conquered uh, groups and hunted men for sacrifice. Um, and and I don't know that we would call it a, a whole burnt offering, but, but he made human sacrifices. Um, just like uh, we said with Cain, Nimrod hunts men and sacrifices them for power. Thus, the Hamite are the main enemies of the son of Eber, sons of Eber. Again, you need to read the chapter. Eber is the name uh, of the line of the promise, or he's in the line of the promise uh, from uh, Shem. And uh, Eber is where we get the word Hebrew. Um, so they were Eber. Uh, Hebrews, and the two main sons is two priestly lines, um, and the the so these these sons are the sons of the division, as the prophet Eber prophetically names Peleg his son, uh, which means to divide. Joktan, though a priest, apostatizes. So that's there was Joktan and Peleg. Joktan was the older. Again, we see that pattern of uh, the younger taking the place of the older. The reason that we receive Joktan's genealogy and not Peleg's here is that that, um, that this is uh, is a pattern that we've seen uh, in, or we, we, yeah, we've seen in Genesis already, and we will see as we go forward. Uh, it continues to be the pattern. God gives the wicked line first, right? He, it's like he's saying, hey, you see this line here? You see this came from this father, but, but look, it fell away. It's not the it's not the line of promise. These aren't these aren't the ones. Don't look to them. There's no salvation there. You see this line here. This is the line of promise. This is the line through which Messiah will come. Lastly, notice with these divisions, we get a glimpse at the coming judgment. This history clearly covers past the events of Babel in verses 5, 20, 31, and 32 of chapter 10. The nations were divided. We're told over and over again that they were divided. We are told that the 
nations were divided in the days of Peleg, and then we go past him. Uh, and, and so this is something that uh, covers uh, past that judgment. And this chapter is one of hope as we can clearly see the sin of this day, right? The empire of Canaan's sons uh, is coupled with the joke tonight's. These priests settled east and worked with the empire builder to legitimize his false religion of power. And um, we see that this is the ten- tendency or temptation of the priests of God. And what we have to understand is if you do not have salvation in uh, a God outside of yourself, then what the only thing you have left, the only thing that you have left is a power cult, and this is what we end up with almost every time uh, when when the oneists, as Dr. Peter Jones calls them, uh, come to power. You you have Nietzsche who you know kind of uh, formalized this thing, this understanding in his um, book, um, The End of Evil, or yeah, I think it was I think that's the name of it, uh, where he he lays out that. There's no God, so if there's no God, then there's no evil. And so what do we do? Well, we, we rule by power. We, we come to prominence and salvation through power uh, and power elites. So, um, so what we see is, this, uh, is, is that there, there's this second sin. We're going to see this uh, sin of intermarriage. Um, is is going to come to to fore here, um, and and wrong worship, brother brother sin is is beginning here with the, with the sacrifice of the sacrifice of people, uh, human sacrifices, and then the the final one is coming where God will have to judge, but this coming judgment is not a, a final uh, earth destroying creation. Um, decreating uh, kind of thing like the flood was. Uh, God is not going to do that again. So it gives us hope in that even though things are going bad quickly, just over a couple thousand years, uh, not even that, uh, and depending on the chronology you look at, it's, it, you know, we're going right back to where we were to begin with, so what's God going to do, right? Um and so we can see that over and over the priests of God do uh, the same thing that the Jokonites do here, Jokonites uh, do here when, when this power comes, when there's this tendency to ally yourself, ally, ally yourself with uh, the power, right, to, to, to support the, the power. How do we react uh, are we? Do we stay faithful, or do we uh, justify those in power? Uh, God, we will see in chapter eleven, keeps his promises and does not destroy the world. Though what he begins to do, just kind of as a preview, is he sets in place uh, fail safes so we don't get to that point again. Um, and 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 you'll see what I mean uh, when we talk about it next week. Um, I hope that this has been helpful with your understanding of this difficult passage. Uh, a lot of people uh, just kind of look over this, uh, but but don't be don't fall into that temptation. We 
Nimrod's a very important person uh, to biblical history, helping us to understand uh, such characters as Ahab and the like, uh, and and seeing how uh, this when we when we face Nimrods in the world, uh, we. We shouldn't be terrified of them. This is not. This is nothing new to God, and uh, and He's in absolute control. Uh, when we come to these kind of problems, uh, then our best course of action is, of course, repentance and faith. Right. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, reach out to us at crownrightscast.net, um, uh, and you can look us up on Facebook as well. And until next time. Walk in a manner worthy of Christ to please God.